0: Things are afoot at the Circle K. Now, originally Neo was the chosen one to host the show. Hosting is a full-time commitment, and he's been a little distracted lately. Trinity! See what I'm talking about? Listen here, you beautiful bitch. I'm about to fuck you up with some truth. Watch the sass, Captain Sassy Pants. Yeah, you're kind of spazzing out, dude. You haven't answered my question. Yes, I did. You see, what You haven't answered my... I'm trying. You just need to let me talk. Why Why am I... I here? shut up you won't let it no you won't let it I'm the one who talks okay mouth shut ears open you haven't had You do it. not want to see me get out of this chair what's up everybody how's it going yes I am doing still doing podcast and this is another installment another episode of strange things are afoot at the circle k and I am your illustrious host, host Johnny the everyday American doe how's it going people this is like the fifth time I've started this podcast. Okay. I don't do any editing. The only thing I do do is when I, uh, I said, do, (laughs) do God damn. Um, yes, I'm a grown man. And I laughed at that. The only thing that I do also (laughs) do is, is when I start a podcast, if I'm not feeling it, I just restart it. Um, I don't like pause it and like try to splice something. I I don't do any of that shit. Anyway, so how's it going everybody? Yeah, it's been a while. Yes, uh, you know, I was going to say, hey, I'm an active duty service member. I don't get a lot of days off, but I know a lot of people that work really hard and don't get a lot of days off. So that's not an excuse. For whatever reason, I haven't done any podcasts for a while. Um, I'm not going to do much here in a few weeks because I'm going on what's called TDY in the Army, Temporary Duty Assignment. Uh, I'll be out of uh, podcasting realm for about three weeks, so this will have to tide you over. Hopefully, I, I can uh, pop out another one or two before I leave. So, without further ado, let's get on with the show. So, it's been a while, and usually when I'm trying to come up with a topic or something to talk about, i um, when it comes to podcasts, I don't really have a formula. I don't like say, hey, um, I talked about this or I need to talk about this or I haven't talked about this in a while. It's usually something just kind of sparks a idea in my head and and I want to have a conversation. And when I say conversation, it's just me talking into a microphone, but it's better than burping into the microphone. Right? So, um, one of the ideas or one of the things that's been populating my brain a lot, and I've talked about this a lot on on uh, these airways, is the new generation and some of the systemic changes in our society. <clears throat> some of the things that are permeating through um, our culture that has really changed, uh, really In a very profound way in the last 20, 30 years, uh, there's been a lot of changes, okay? 30 years, 20 years, but really in the last, you know, 10, 15 years, you're seeing just tons and tons of change, just how we operate, the things that we do, everything from what we do online to social media, to texting, uh, to... There's just a lot of things that that evolve very quickly. Things that we didn't prepare for, things we did not, you know, if you're raising kids, uh, you weren't raising them at 10 years old to one day have to navigate this type of world because we didn't foresee it to be the way that it is. So what the fuck am I talking about? Well, I'm talking about just some of the things that I run into with the new cultural norms of society. And it's really easy to say it's a phase. Uh, I like to say, you know, blame the millennials or the new generation or even the generation that's after the millennials, the kids that are like 15, 16 right now. You know, technically millennials are like 22, 24 to like 31, 32, right? And so... The kids that are in high school now are—I don't even know what generation they're called—but um, there, a lot has changed, and I'm constantly trying to figure out, and I'm battling in my own brain: Is this? Am I seeing things uh, in a kind of a controlled environment? Am I? Am I just dealing with a certain segment of the population? And maybe it's not like this. It's not as, it hasn't run amok through society like I I think it has. But the nature of my business and the nature of my wife's business and the nature of what I've done really for the last decade is dealing with young people. And same with my wife um, in various different um, ventures, no matter if it's coaching, teaching, Mentoring, you know, of course, in the military, being a recruiter, all those things—you're dealing with a lot of young people. And I've done it uh, in a couple different communities um, in the United States. It was the same with my wife; she's taught really all over in like four different states. So, <clears throat> one thing that I've noticed is that there's significant changes in how I was brought up and some of the. Morals and ethics and just responsibilities of being an adult. And one thing that I've noticed is, and a lot of other people have as well, is that people, um, you know, they love to say, you know, now that we're living longer and stuff, like I'm 40, almost 44 years old. They go, you know, 40 is the new 30. And 50 is the new 40 and all that shit. Well, I think it's kind of the opposite as well on the other edge of the spectrum. Like 30... Now is the new twenty, <laughs> okay, in the sense of maturity, and so you see kids like when I was growing up, I, you know, I moved out at age twenty, and that was like, holy shit, you're old, you're still twenty and living at home, and I, I moved out at uh, at twenty and then moved back in like at twenty two, and then moved back out again like six months later. Um, so a lot of people, they move out, they end up coming back. But now you see kids that are 25, 26, still living at home with no real plan. And 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 that's like on the low end. But then on the high end, you're seeing people in their 30s that have never moved out or they moved out for a brief period of time and they move back. Like I have a cousin that is, is like 37, 38 years old and she still lives at home with her mom. And her mom make excuses for why she can't move out. You know, she's not mentally prepared yet to move out. <laughs> Whatever. And so this isn't picking on any one person, but you just notice that, okay, that is a paradigm shift. Something has happened because I couldn't wait to get out of my house. I couldn't wait to get my own place. And and part of that is, you know, you start breaking it down and you, and you look at um, – maybe the cost of living is too expensive. You know, you'll see articles in the paper and on the news about housing prices and the job market and and student loan debt and all these other factors. But those are just excuses because, you know, if you're in debt um and you whatever, that's not going to keep people from moving out. Um I remember when my friends the first couple friends that I had in high school got their own place. And it was just that. You had like three people getting a two-bedroom apartment. I mean, that was so common when I was a a young man where you had somebody had a bedroom and somebody had the small little bedroom and then one guy had the couch. And it was like tiered like that. Like, hey, this is my apartment. Maybe the person with the best credit uh, got the apartment, got the lease in their name and then the roommate they paid maybe 40% of the rent or one guy paid like 40% another guy paid like you know 30% and another guy paid you know i guess the other 30% if my math is correct but my point is that you it was very common to see you had more people living there than how many bedrooms that you had And you never saw anybody that had their own place, ever. You always saw roommates. You always saw people that, um, you know, it's not because they wanted to live together, it was just, how else are we gonna pay the bills? And so I truly believe that most places are affordable. Hell, you can live in New York if you have enough people to share rent, okay? I I know this girl that I went to a a military school with that, that lives in Brooklyn. And she has like, I'm trying to remember, I guess three roommates because there's four people living in an apartment. I, I can't remember how big the apartment is, but it's, I know it's not five bedrooms. I know it's not four bedrooms. Maybe it's three bedrooms, but more than likely it's two bedrooms. And if it's New York, then it's probably very small and it's very expensive. But <clears throat> when, you know, if, if your apartment is $2,800 and you divide that by four, it's now somewhat affordable, Right. Well, in other places of the country, it's $1,000 for an apartment. So if you divide that by three or divide it by four, how much is it? It's not that much. My point is it's not hard to get out. And when I had a roommate, it motivated me to want to get my own place. And so how do I get my own place? I got to make more money. I got to be smarter with my money. And it motivated me to get my own place so I had a little bit more freedom and blah, blah, blah. So I just don't know if people have that same um, drive. Um, you meet people that are in their 30s or close to 40s that are still living like kids that are right out of college. They're still doing the same things. They're still doing having the same habits. Um, I l- listen to a, a couple, I listen to a lot of podcasts, but there's a, a couple podcasts I listen to where the people are in their, like late 40s or late 30s. And they are, the stories that they tell and the lives that they live are very reminiscent to when I was um, maybe two or three years out of high school. Uh, Cause I didn't go to college right after high school. So it's very, it was very reminiscent to someone just getting out of high school or just getting out of college. And I, that's, I think that's the new norm. Uh, so you have a lot of, you know, man childs. Um, You have a lot of people that are uh, lacking maturity. And you have people that generally, okay, speaking, do not have the tools necessary to navigate life. And so one of the things that I do in my job is I do what are called mock interviews. And so high schools ask community um, businesses and people that do any kind of hiring a couple times a year, we'll go into the school districts and we help prepare these seniors that are getting ready to graduate um, and we do mock job interviews. And so me being a military recruiter, they always ask me, but they ask you know like the bank manager and all you know all these different businesses, engineering companies, you know everything from fast food to you know really good jobs, corporate jobs, right? And so I'll sit there and interview these kids. And I don't interview them for the military. I just give a kind of a general job interview. And I'm always surprised at the answers to the questions that I get. And I'm always surprised at how um, sheltered a lot of these kids are about um, how tough the world really is. And you can tell that they're part of a generation that has just been told they can have whatever they want. And even, and I'm I'm talking even across poverty lines, I talked to, you know, I do these at at a school that some of the kids are not wealthy. Their parents are not wealthy and they still have delusions of grandeur is what I call it. And I'll give a, for instance, so one kid, um, who goes to this school, that. Obviously, didn't have very much money or anything like that. So they were told. Let me let me back up. They were told, "Hey, you're going to do these mock interviews. So we're going to treat it like it's a real interview. You got to do a resume. We're going to look at your resume. Um, you you're going to dress nice, uh, you know, business attire, uh, because you know that's part of what you're judged on is is your your looks." We're going to grade you on the, the, the soft skills like how you greet yourself, the tone of your voice, your mannerisms, handshake, all that stuff, right? Um, answering in complete sentences, just the basic stuff. And so I remember one kid that I gave the highest marks to for his appearance, for the category of appearance, because he was the only kid who wore a tie. Now he wore a button-up shirt, yeah, tucked in to jeans and a, in tennis shoes, but he, but he at least made an attempt because he had a button up shirt and a tie. And he specifically told me, I did not even own this before this job interview. So I gave him the maximum number of points just because one, he was the only one who did that. And two, he actually made an effort. He made an attempt. Okay. And then there's a kid on the other spectrum who had a hoodie on. He had earbuds in when he walked in. He had to pull his earbuds out. And in the middle of the interview, he looked down at his phone because it went off. Okay. And this was a senior in high school. This was someone that was getting ready to get it into the workforce. And he told me what his, because one of the questions I have is, what are your goals five years from now? And how do you plan on achieving them? And all the kids always have goals, but their plan isn't really a plan. It's a hope and a prayer. And so this kid says, I want to, and this is exactly what he said. I want to be a, I'm going to go to vet school to be a veterinarian. I want to go to, he he named some college business, out of state school. And I also want to be a graphic designer. (laughs) Two things that don't exactly go together unless you're going to open your own vet business and you got to make your own websites and business cards and stuff, right? So I was like, okay. Okay, let me step back. Let me not be overly critical because he at least has a goal. But, but then I said, okay, how do you plan on getting there? He goes, well, what do you mean? And I said, well, uh, how are you going to be a vet? Well, I'm going to go to college. And I go, okay, <laughs> tell me more. How are you going to go to college? Well, what what do you mean? Well, how are you going to get into college? And this kid, you know, I, I've seen his grades. He's maybe a B minus C plus student at best. And he goes, well, I'm going to get scholarships. Now I'm looking at this kid. He's a little overweight. He doesn't play any sports. He's not a musician. He's definitely not an academic. So what scholarships he's trying to get kind of escapes me. And so I'm going, okay, this kid obviously has never been told by anyone how expensive school is. He's never been told how expensive an out-of-state school is. He has no idea how much it is to get uh, to get an undergrad in vet medicine, and then your postgraduate in vet medicine. He has no idea what schools even have vet programs. He has no idea how he would do veterinary medicine at the same time as graphic design. And it, oh, yeah, excuse me, I forgot to say he wanted to start his own business. And He goes and no, I want to start my own business. He didn't say what though. He didn't say if it. So I have no idea of like graphic design, vet school, and him being an entrepreneur or connected in any uh, any way. And then most importantly, he set those dreams and not and didn't make an attainable path. And no one and no one told him. You could tell that it didn't get through to him. He was living in a fantasy world, and we're we're taught now. In schools, if you work in schools, that you're not supposed to teach those kids. You, you have to be um, encouraging and be like, oh, that's great that you have those, oh, that is so awesome, and just encourage them, oh, you should go to school and you should do this instead of instead of first going, let's figure out what you want. Let's narrow it down. You gotta, you're kind of all over the place. Let's narrow it down. Before you ever go to school, let's figure out if you even like these things. And so I said, okay, so why do you want to be a vet? Well, I like dogs. Okay, well, you know and I know that a vet works on more than dogs. And they don't just pet dogs. They don't walk dogs. They don't play with dogs. They fix dogs. And they put dogs to sleep and they do all kinds of stuff with dogs and cats and turtles and all kinds of shit. So what experience do you have? What makes you think that you want to be that? Same with graphic design. Same with being an entrepreneur. Do you know what it takes to open a business, he goes, I'm gonna open my own business. Well, what does it take to open your business? You know, using the, the, the Socratic method of, let me see how much knowledge you have about this. And he had nothing, and you go, hey, Johnny, you're being kind of harsh on this high school kid, no. This is a high school kid that is within six weeks of graduating high school and being out in the world. I'm being too hard on him, that is part of the problem. Is that he was not unique? I talked to a dozen kids a month just like him. And it's so rare that I even meet a kid that actually has a plan. That actually, I think this whole school year, I've met maybe three that they say, This is what I want to do, and this is how I'm going to do it. And they have it actually broken down to this is when I apply for the schools, this is the schools that have these programs, this is, you know, and I'm like, Okay, and that means they're not gonna, it doesn't mean they're gonna do it, it means they have a chance. They have a chance because they, they don't have a dream anymore and now they have a goal, okay? Because a goal has a plan involved. <clears throat> and so I, I, I see this a lot and my wife sees it a lot. And then I came across in my recruiting, I, I go to do a lot of social media, and to be honest with you, every, every uh, recruiter, no matter if it's military or otherwise, that is hiring people, they use social media to kind of glean what, you know, what they can find out if this person is worth hiring, what kind of work ethic they have, what kind of ethics they have, what kind of standards and practices they have, all that good stuff, right? So I'm on social media, Facebook in particular, and I'm looking up some of these kids that, um, that go to my schools and just seeing if any of them are interested in military at all. And I noticed that there's this girl who had a GoFundMe page that she was promoting. <clears throat> this is a high school kid. She, didn't, um, she was promoting a GoFundMe page on her Facebook asking for help for her to buy a camera. Now, it was not a camera because she's um, a photography major or a professional photographer that's struggling, an entrepreneur. Um, it's just something that she wants. Okay. And she stated that I want to get into photography. (laughs) And so this camera that she wants is like $800. And she goes, you know, I got to be able to take really high quality uh, photos. So, and I don't have the money for it. So please support my GoFundMe page. Okay. And I was thinking to myself, What happened to, I want this camera, so let me go get a job? Because this girl wasn't in a wheelchair, not that that would matter, because people in wheelchairs can get jobs. This wasn't someone with a learning disability. This was just a regular high school girl that just wanted a camera. And so I go to my, I think to myself, okay, this is just some, no. The same day, I think it was the same day, or at least the same week, I came across a second Facebook post about someone supporting, support me in my GoFundMe page. And this girl just wanted a tattoo. She wanted a tattoo because this, this philosophical um, proverb that she believes in so wholeheartedly, that's important for her to put it on her body so the world knows that this is how she wants to live her life. But she doesn't have the money for it. So her thing was, if you believe in what I believe in, please help me um, state this and tattoo this on my body. A high school kid. And I was like, okay, th- this, is, this is a huge issue. Because that is one of the tools when I was younger that really made me realize what do I want in life? Because when you go, hey, I want a tattoo. And you want something that's, let's say, a full sleeve. You go, I want a tattoo. And you investigate how much time it takes in the chair. Okay, I'm willing to do that. I don't care if I got to go back five times. I want that tattoo. And then someone quotes you a price. So you got to go five times. Each time is about $250. And, and all of a sudden, it's going to cost $1,000, know, $1,200, $1, $1,500, whatever the price is. And that a lot of times would discourage me from going, oh shit, man, I don't have, if I have that kind of money, I would do X, Y, and Z. Why would I spend it on a tattoo? And so there's so many things that I thought that I wanted when I was younger. And then once I started working for it and I saw how hard I had to work for just a few hundred dollars, it made me see that few hundred dollars differently. And these kids will never get that experience when someone just hands them money. And now this didn't happen in a vacuum. These kids aren't evil kids. These kids aren't uh, completely um, twisted in their beliefs just out of the womb. They were raised to think this, and it was cultivated by our society. So that's why I say there's a paradigm shift in our society because usually, or when I was a kid, there was things in society that were checks and balances to this that would make, people would shame you into going Hey, you lazy motherfucker, why don't you go out and work if you want this and you can do whatever the fuck you want. If you make your money, go get tattoos all over your fucking face. You know? I I understand that, but I don't understand someone that says, I just want someone to fund my endeavors, and I'm not even gonna really give it much thought. I'm just, you know, this is what I want, and who knows if it's gonna be anything that really stays. And so this girl that wants the camera, just imagine how different the equation is when she has to work her ass off for, let's say, a year to save up $800 for this camera. So now there's some real buy-in to this desire to learn photography. She had to work her ass off before she could ever take a picture. She had to work her ass off. She had to think about it. She had to dream about it. She had a plan for it. She really put a lot of thought and effort. And so once she did it, it was intentional. And what it did is not only um, solidify her belief that she wanted to be a photographer, and it pressure tested the idea that she had the grit that it took to to do that. Well, obviously, th- that's, that's a self-fulfilling prophecy. When you work your ass off just to get the camera, then you're not gonna be afraid to work your ass off to make it as a photographer. But if you can't work your ass off to get the camera, then how are you gonna work your ass off to get to a proficiency of being a professional photographer. It's because these kids don't think and no one tells them that no matter what it is that you do, no matter if it was being a movie star or being a photographer, being an artist, being a musician, it takes hard work to make something and to separate yourself from just the people that are hobbyists and people that are mediocre at it. I mean, just think about this podcast Compared to, you know, uh, the best podcast that's out there that, you know, they, they put out three or four a week and and uh, they're, you know, they're, they're doing a lot of show prep. And that, that's my point is that I do this as a, a hobby and something that's fun. But it'd be scary if I say, hey, this is what I wanted to do or want to do for my entire life but I'm only gonna do a podcast every month, once a month, and please fund it for me. If you figure out a way to make, to, to start something, then you might actually figure out a way to achieve something. And so on top of these things, there's a news story that's in the news right now, in the news cycle right now, as you're listening to this, about this 30 year old man who is being evicted from his parents' house, and they had to take him to court and actually sue him to get him to leave the house, and he still refuses, still refuses. And I implore you to Google that and watch this dude. This isn't like some gimmick. This guy actually feels entitled to live in his parents' house, and he doesn't work. He didn't have a job. He didn't have anything that he wants to do. Um, he says that he wants to move out, but he just didn't have the means right now. And he has a plan, but he won't say what that plan is. It's going to take some time, but he's 30 years old. And so it's like stepbrothers, you know, that, 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 was a comedy, but now you watch it and you go, Oh shit, I've actually met people like this. And I have met or run into people, um, that maybe, or people that my wife knows that are just like this. And it's, like I said, I have a cousin that's that's like this now. She goes to Vegas, you know, she goes on trips, she goes drinking all the time, has an Instagram page, takes picture of her food, but she still lives at home with her mom. How the fuck can you afford to fly to Vegas when you still live with your mom? And like I said, I don't blame her. I blame the mom. You know? I blame the mom. Now these these parents of this 30-year-old. I don't blame them because they're saying get the fuck out and he won't and so they took him to court. And so what is it about our society that we're, we're not doing a very good job of preparing people because we have even when our economy was not doing great we had about three million jobs that we could not fill because there's this giant skill gap because it's not a sexy job it's like digging ditches. My grandpa used to say that man if you don't work hard you're this you're going to be digging ditches your whole life right but we need people to run backhoes people to run graders and and bulldozers and crane operators and those people make very good money but one thing that you can't get away from is if you're working those jobs you're going to earn your paycheck you're going to earn it with a lot of sweat sweat equity right you're going to work hard you're, you're going to have to work your way up. You're going to start at the bottom. But if you do that for 10, 20, even 30 years, you can make a very, very, very lucrative living. I mean, I know people that work in those industries that make six figures. But they had to start somewhere. And almost every single one of them started as just a laborer but you not only have to work hard but you have to have a plan of how you're going to move up to the next level by gaining skills acquiring skills if i'm a if i'm a, a general laborer that i'm trying to learn from the carpenters if i'm a carpenter i'm trying to learn from maybe the finishers or the drywall or the roofers or the whatever and you are trying to gain a certain skill set so maybe you know everything there is to know about building a house and now you can be the contractor. Now you can be the foreman. Now you can maybe own your own construction company. And those used to that used to be the American dream. It's still out there, but people just don't want it because you have to work for it. And and we've been told the lie that everyone should go to college and get these these phantom degrees that don't mean anything. Because we're listening to the wrong people. And It comes to my the the next topic that I wanted to discuss on this podcast is how important it is to listen to the correct people. And I don't know if you think that I'm the right person to listen to. You might be listening to this because you, you disagree with everything and you like to yell at the radio. Now, I do that sometimes. I listen to Dave Ramsey just so I can get pissed. But I don't, you know, even Dave Ramsey talks some sense sometimes. But my point is that you have to make sure you're getting good information and getting, the, and getting good advice. Our, our academics, it's in their best interest to have everyone else be an academic because it validates their path. But I rarely, rarely, and I would probably say almost never run into a guidance counselor that I work with that recommends the military to their students above going to college, unless they are a prior service military person themselves. Why? Because then if, if they say that going into military before college is a better path, then they're devaluating, uh, devaluing their decisions to go to college and never join the military. They, all guidance counselors always say, hey, I have this problem student, He's not doing very good in school. You should talk to him, not understanding that you need a certain aptitude to join the military, that we have higher qualifications than any job or college in the United States. People don't believe that. And there's people listening to this right now and they go, oh, that's not true. Do your, do your own research. You got Google. It's harder to join the military than to get into any college. I'll use a, MIT as an example. MIT. You go, well that's a hard that's that's got to be harder than joining the military, no it's not. If you have the aptitude, and the aptitude only, you can get into MIT. You don't even need the money because you might be able to get a scholarship. Okay, so if you have the aptitude and you have the money, or if you have enough aptitude that you don't need the money, you can get into MIT. So there's two factors and two factors only, money and aptitude. Okay? In the military, you have to have a certain level of physical fitness. You have to pass our height and weight standards. You have to have uh, near perfect vision, hearing. You have to, ha- can't be colorblind. You can't be, have any kind of disa- disability. You can't have anything greater than a level three misdemeanor. Uh, you can't have, uh, you got to be able to get a security clearance. You can't have too many foreign ties uh, overseas. You can't be in debt. So if you've, Uh, Going through bankruptcy, you can't join the military. I had someone not uh, be able to join because she had a car repoed. And so um, not only that, but you have to pass the ASVAB. You have to score well enough to get, uh, get these jobs. And so there are so many more qualifications to joining the military, just regular. I'm not even talking about Navy SEALs or special forces. I'm talking about conventional force, Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines. It's harder to join the Army. But these counselors don't realize that literally anybody with a fucking checking account and rich parents can go to college, anybody. And so, and you go, well, it's not true. You need a certain ACT, bullshit. There's community college. You can go there for two years and then get transferred to a four-year school. You can go to any fucking state school. I mean, you're talking to a GED guy that went to college and that got accepted into (laughs) K-State. So I'm telling you, That's, it's not hard to do. So my point is that we are getting bad advice from people. We are not listening to the right people. We're listening to people that we want, we wanna believe we live in this world where you go get a college degree and it solves all your problems. And we're not preparing the next generation for the challenges that they are gonna face every single day. We don't teach them soft skills. We don't teach them social skills and we don't teach them work ethic. And it's showing in the condition uh, and the degradation of our country. That's why people fear uh, immigrants so much is because immigrants come with one thing and one thing only, and that's work ethic. Sometimes they don't even speak the language. They definitely, most of them aren't educated if they're coming here, especially illegally. But those people, are hard workers and they're going to take opportunities from people that also maybe don't have an education and they're not hardworking. And if you get an immigrant that has an education and um, has that work ethic, that immigrant work ethic, they're going to beat you out for a job 100% of the time. So we have lost that fire, that drive that comes from being a first, second, maybe even third generation immigrant. You know, if you're third generation, you talk to your grandparents about the motherland and how hard it was and how terrible and communism and all these all this other bullshit depending on what country they came from, and how hard it was. And but once you get to fourth, fifth, sixth generation, that shit's passed. And you've had comforts for a long time. And so some of the the, the things the, the, some of the the issues that I have is that I li- like I said, I listen to a lot of podcasts and you hear people that have, let's say advice shows or shows that are kind of like this. This isn't uh, in a, I don't know what an advice show is or inspirational show or or motivational, I guess it would be. But I would say this is definitely in that in that realm where I say, don't do what I say, but do as I do. I, I, that is the one philosophy that I try to um, live my life by, is I'm not going to tell somebody to do something that's, that's different than what I've done myself. Um, so I tried to live a certain way, and then I make recordings on this podcast and say, this is what I've learned from those. Take it for what it is, Okay and you can apply that knowledge. It's to me one of the best pieces of advice I've ever gotten was learn from other people's mistakes. And so I I'm not perfect and neither are you. So you're going to make mistakes, I'm going to make mistakes. Well, hopefully I can learn from yours and maybe you can learn from mine. <clears throat> Don't burp on on air just like that. <clears throat> but one of the one of the things that I realize by listening to some of these bad podcasters and bad advice shows is that some people aren't even remotely qualified to give any kind of advice and it's not because that they live a bad life or they haven't achieved something that sometimes is the case but not always but this is what I mean I was listening to a podcast I'm not gonna say what because I'm not gonna try to shit on their their thing but it's a, you know, kind of an advice or whatever. There's t- a very similar format to this, I guess. And they were talking about getting some criticism about their podcast from a listener or something. And they were so, they were they were pissed not at the content of the criticism, but just that somebody criticized them at all. Um, that they got mad that somebody left like a bad iTunes review. And I can tell you right now, and this isn't like trying to say that I'm better than somebody or anything, but I just, you, you have to start with doing it for the right reasons. The motivation for my podcast is to do a podcast to the best of my abilities. And I could give two fucks if somebody likes it or doesn't like it. And so... You're not going to hear me say, go leave me a tune uh, um, uh, review on iTunes because I can tell you right now, I have no clue who fucking leaves reviews or not because I don't look at them. I don't give two fucks what somebody puts on fucking iTunes. I, I don't care. I, I don't know if I have five star or one star. I understand that you need five star reviews. You need this or whatever to give, but I'll tell you right now, iTunes isn't going to give a fuck. Uh, you're what? What? <laughs> I just, if you do the best that you you can do, and then there's always going to be haters out there. There's always going to be people that are going to fucking criticize. But one thing that you can't do to yourself is think that just because somebody doesn't agree with you, that their criticism isn't valid. And that was the biggest mistake that I made when I was in my 20s, when I talked about being an artist before and failing at it miserably, that my biggest hangup was, I could not take criticism. If if anybody said that I was great, I believed them. If somebody says that I was subpar, I said, oh, they don't know what the fuck they're talking about. I would literally show somebody something and go, hey, do you know anything about comic books or art? Nope. What do you think of this drawing? Man, that is fucking badass. You are fucking awesome. I go, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> Man, I'm awesome. Hey, next guy. Do you know anything about art or comics? Nope, not a thing. What do you think of this? I don't think it's very good. I think your proportions are off. I think your shading. Man, what is that guy even doing? Is that a, what is he holding? Is that a hammer or or a potato? That's not a potato, man. That's a fucking, you don't even know what you're fucking talking about. You even said you didn't know anything. And so I go home and go, that guy even said he didn't know anything about comic books. He said he didn't know anything about art. Why should I believe him? Well, guess what? If you're going to ask someone's opinion, then you have to take the good with the bad or take none of it, that's it. And so, I'm not gonna lie, I've had people say that they hate this fucking podcast. I don't give a shit, I'm not gonna change anything because I don't do it for them, I do it for me and for people that want to get something out of what I'm putting out there, you know? That's it. It's kinda like uh, if I'm putting out a radio signal, if you're not tuned into that frequency, you're not gonna get that, pick up that fucking signal. And so I'm putting out a frequency and some people are going to tune in. Some people are going to tune out. Don't give a shit. Don't care. Not trying to make money at this. I'm not going to turn away money if somebody gave it to me, but that's not what the goal is. The goal is to do it. The goal is to get better at it. The goal is to, is to um, do something that you're passionate about, and that's it. And then whatever comes of it, comes of it. And so criticism is extremely important is because that's the only time, the only opportunity you have to get better or to grow as a person or as a creator is through criticism. That's the only time. You can never, ever learn anything worth knowing from success. You can go, well, I can keep doing this. I'll just keep doing, keep doing, keep doing until it doesn't work. Then what did you learn? You learned that that worked before, but you don't know anything else. And so failing is an extremely important thing. And not only failing, but the uh, perceiving a failure or at least listening to what someone else's view of success or failure is. You don't have to take it to heart. You don't have to change everything, but it doesn't mean that it's not valid. And why I bring this up is because this person in particular was so um animate about being, I mean, he was so pissed off and emotional about a criticism that, I mean, he posted it on his social media and I read it and I go, well, that wasn't, (laughs) he should read some of the shit that people send me. (laughs) It's like, that ain't shit. That ain't nothing. He pretty much just said, hey, it's, you know, I liked it, but it's kind of gone this direction and so I'm not gonna listen anymore. I mean, it wasn't that bad. But that just kind of shows, kind of the point that I was trying to make that our society is incapable of really self-assessment and looking at themselves and going, okay, why is this person saying this? And instead that they said, well, you're the type of person that puts negativity in the world and I'm not that type of person. Whoa, 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 pump the fucking brakes. I've been accused of that myself of you're putting negativity in the world. And that's the world we live in now where people think any criticism is negativity. And we want to live in a world that's just positive, uh, uh, positive all the time. Positivity. I almost said positively. Positivity. And so we have people that win fucking giant gold medals for just participating in a 5K. And that's not me making anything up. I've literally seen this where everyone gets a big medal that signs up for a 5K. People get participation uh, graduation certificates for completing preschool. We have something in one of my high schools called the B honor roll. The B honor roll, (laughs) it's like the B honor roll, really? Not the A honor roll, but the B honor roll. We have so many things in our society that we go, no, we gotta sit there and, and give them positive feedback. One of the school districts my wife taught in, they were not allowed to give a zero. The lowest grade they could give a kid was 50%. So a kid could do a shitty paper and get 60%. Another kid not even do the assignment and their only difference was 10%. You weren't allowed to criticize a kid without ending the, the conversation with a positive message, with saying something positive. And I understand if people think that that's a good thing. But it's not. When someone is developing, when someone is trying to learn, it, you can't give positivity for the sake of positivity. You reinforce positive behavior with positivity when they, exu- when they exude that positive behavior. You don't just reward it just for the sake of rewarding it. And that means not everyone's going to win. That means not everyone's going to feel good all the time. That means sometimes your endeavors are going to fail. That means sometimes you're going to do, you're going to write a book and people aren't going to like it. That means sometimes you're going to draw a picture. People aren't going to like it. Do a podcast. People aren't going to like it. That's just the way it is. Some of the greatest movies of all time, people hated them. Okay. How many times have you ran into someone and said, Hey, my all time favorite movie is Pulp Fiction. They go, Oh God, I couldn't even get through that movie then why do you give a shit what their criticism? Just imagine if Quentin Tarantino did Pulp Fiction and somebody goes, that's the worst movie I ever saw and he decided not to put it out. You go, see, that's why you shouldn't be negative. No, see, that's why you need to do something for you and understand that not everyone is going to like everything, but the only opportunity that you have to grow is to be realistic and be able to look at yourself in the mirror because sooner or later you might see that all that positivity was lying to you. And there's nothing more negative than somebody lying to your face. Okay, one of the philosophies that I studied a lot when I was younger was Buddhism. And it's not a religion, it's a philosophy. And and it's why it's a philosophy is because they don't have a deity. Okay. They don't believe in a god necessarily. Doesn't mean they don't, but they don't have some something they worship. So it's more of a philosophy. And the big thing in their philosophy is never lying, not even white lies. And I'm not saying that I agree with this, but I understand it. And this is what it states. And this is the example that I read in one of the the books about Buddhism. And they talked about, if you went over to your friend's house, let's say your friend's wife was wanting to cook you a meal. And they said, what did you think of the meal? And it was the most rancid fucking shit you've ever had. And you go, well, I think that's that was great. I think it was fantastic. I mean, that was a really good meal. And you go, well, there's nothing wrong with that. Well, until you go, until everyone does that, and this person goes, holy shit, I guess I'm a pretty good chef. Let me open my own restaurant. And so they go and they, they, they cash out their 401k, they sell a car, they uh, rob their kids' college fund, and they open up their own restaurant this person thinking they're a great chef. And then the first person that eats that food, that's not a friend, gives them the harsh reality that you're not very good at this and this tastes like crap. So that person is beyond the point of possibly course correcting is because they're so far along the line of listening to everyone's lies and bullshit that it's, that it's, change the trajectory of what they might be able to accomplish if they would have got criticism when the criticism was valid. And now they've already convinced themselves they're great and now they can't listen to criticism. And so what Buddhists think is that if somebody said, what did you think of the meal? That they would say, I I thank you for your hospitality and I am so grateful for your graciousness and for you to feed and work, work so hard to give me this meal. My opinion wasn't that the meal was the best meal I ever had. It didn't quite agree with me, but my tastes are different than a lot of people, but I do appreciate the effort and would love to cook for you one day. Because you didn't tell them a lie You told them the truth And it's always going to be uncomfortable It might even seem harsh But we use that word That's harsh No harsh is this tastes like shit That's probably what I would say But that's also A harsh reality Still reality But if you go It's great Then what? And here's the example uh, where I've failed in this. I've become domesticated. That my wife invited me to a restaurant of a lady she works with, her husband, is opening his own restaurant. And they were doing kind of a trial run before actual customers, they wanted just friends and family members to come and order from the restaurant and sit and enjoy and then kind of give some criticisms about it. And we sat there and ate. And the, the food was overpriced. It wasn't very good. It wasn't cooked right. Um, some of, you know, some little nitpicky things, but then there were some big stuff. And my wife and I and the other couple we were with, we all agreed that we had some criticisms. But when the rubber met the road and the lady came, you know, came up to us and her husband who they've been working for a year to build this restaurant to get a, kind of get it started and off the ground. None of us had the balls to really give them the harsh criticism. Well, we said little things, but we didn't really want to give them the truth. Why? Because we know what that does. Now, that's not an excuse, but it would be perceived as you're being a hater. You're spreading negativity. And so what we did is we were just supportive and said, oh, it was great. It was awesome. And then the very next week, They had investors, they had a whole bunch of people invest in this restaurant. And this one meal that we're most critical about that my wife had that was not very good at all, a person that invested in this restaurant had that meal and had the exact same experience. Now, their money's involved, so you're damn well sure that they're gonna go and have some criticism. So they criticized and it was very unsettling to that owner and that that chef because They go, well, I've served this 10 times and this is the first time I've heard this. Well, that's because so many people like myself were dishonest in that situation and we didn't tell the truth because we were too worried about the social consequences of having to look that person's wife in the face the next day at work and go, sorry, but your husband can't cook worth a shit. It's not that bad, but there there need to be some tweaking. Okay. And so we kind of failed those people. But if those people and 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 this is the only thing I'll say in our defense that they were very um assertive that they're making all the right decisions. Uh, that's that's all I'm gonna say. But if you really come, that's why it's important for all of us to if they would have came and said, hey, I know I'm not perfect. There's nothing perfect about this, please tell me what I need to improve. Cause I know there's stuff I need to improve on. So what just just let me have it. But instead, they come out and say, it was great, right? Everything's perfect, right? Isn't this great? You know, so not saying that, not letting myself off the hook, but that's what I'm saying for you as an individual that's listening to this. You have to be open-minded and you have to allow the world to criticize and you have to look at that and see if there's any truth to it. Because if you really look at it and you really um, investigate, you'll know that there's some truth. And this particular podcaster that I was referencing earlier that was pissed about criticism that he got, he knew there was some truth to it because he started making excuses of why one of the, the person that criticized, you know, why that was. It, it's an unsettling thing that's ne- that someone that hasn't been criticized before. But every single person gets criticism. Every political leader, every every uh, entrepreneur, genius. Uh, I mean, you got people that are. I'm sure Albert Einstein was criticized by people that have 50 points less IQ, (laughs) and he has to take that criticism. You know, that's just the world we live in. And so, criticism. Don't get into this this mindset. I guess here's the point of. That's spreading negativity in the world because that's not how I see it. Spreading truth should be your purpose. Not negative, not positive. Truth. And if that truth happens to be positive, if you give somebody an award because they're the fastest person you ever saw, so they get a medal, then that's truth. But if they don't get a medal and they're the only ones that didn't get a medal because they were the only one that wasn't very good, that's also truth. That's not spreading negativity. That's giving that person an opportunity to maybe course correct and go, well, let me find something else I am good at. Okay, so I just told you about some uh, some some things that you shouldn't listen to. Well, here's some people that I believe that you should listen to. He, these are people that I either read their book or I watch their lectures or I listen to their podcast. something like this. Here's some people that I believe you should try to listen to. doesn't mean they're 100% right about everything in life, but there's something that you can gain from these people, every single one of them, okay? So the first one on my list is Jordan Peterson. Um, I've listened to him a lot on podcasts. My wife owns his book. And you know, just one of the things that he says to be successful is just clean your room, stand up straight, pull your shoulders back. It's, it's that simple. Just start with something like that. Okay. Why? Because he's talking about accountability. He's talking about beginning with taking responsibility. Okay. And the next person is Mike Rowe. Okay. You remember Mike Rowe from the Discovery Channel. Um, uh, What's it called? Um, shit. Dirty Jobs. That's what it's called. And he did uh, that crab show too. He was like, did the voiceover. But anyway, he, he is, uh, I, I'm telling you, just, just uh, put him into YouTube. And he's a very, very well-spoken, articulate guy that really talks about real world blue collar issues and what we should do to fix some of these problems. Okay. And, you know, the piece of advice that I that I have always taken from him and I mentioned is, you know, work hard, and Be the person that you would want to hire if it was your business. So, you know, before you go into a job interview, think about what would, if I'm sitting across the table, what would I want this person to say that would make me hire them and say those things and then take it one step further and be those things. Okay. The next person I listen to, um, well, I just started listening to him is Simon Sinek and he. Uh, work. He works for some, some different uh, companies. I think he works for Raytheon right now. Um, but he does a lot of motivational speeches and TED Talks and stuff like that. And one of the pieces of advice that, that, uh, that I get from him is he had an example, this bagel story, where he talked about some people see what they, what they want and other people see what stands in the way of what they want. And so how do you see the world? Do you see what you want or you, or do you just see what stands in the way of what you want? And so, you know, when, when I started this podcast and I was starting to make excuses why I haven't done one for a while, it's because I'm only seeing what's keeping me from doing the podcast instead of just going after doing the podcast. And so that's why I even said it's kind of bullshit if I say, well, you know, I'm active duty military. I work, you know, seven days a week. Blah blah blah. There's a lot of people in the world like that, and they still do the things that they want to do. So that's just a bullshit excuse. It was a reason, or uh, let me let me uh, couple it this way. This is this is one of the things I say to uh, some young privates. That might be an excuse, but it's not a reason. So my excuse is I work long hours, but that's not the reason why I didn't do podcasts. Okay because I'm not there 24 hours a day, <laughs> all right? So uh, the next person is Jocko Willink, okay? Former Navy SEAL, writes a lot of great books, um, uh, Extreme Ownership. He does a podcast that's phenomenal. It's hard not to listen to his podcast and not get motivated, um, but his big philosophy and that I don't necessarily do this, but I agree with is get up early. He gets up at like 4.30 in the morning and he works out, and has a very hard workout. And why that's important is because he says, while everyone else is sleeping, by the time people are waking up, he's, he's already accomplished something. He's already worked really, really hard. And he's already accomplished something before anybody else even got up. And so you start the day with a success. You start the day with a win. Warren Buffett is someone else that I like to listen to. You know, his big uh, philosophy that I adhere to is, you know, you gotta surround yourself with the right people. Okay, you'll hear a lot of people say it. Bill Gates has said it, Steve Jobs said it, said it. hey, I'm not the smartest person in the room, but I make sure to hire the smartest person in the room, right? And so, but, it, but I'm gonna take it out a step, it's not just about business, but it, everything that you do in life, surround yourself with the right people. Now it's something that I haven't found easy, and so that's why I don't have very many people around me. Is because I rather have nobody than the wrong people. Okay. Um, the The next person is this this woman named Mel Robinson, uh, Robbins. Excuse me, um, and she's someone that I've discovered recently. Um, and she was talking about, when I first started watching her, she was talking about people just dreaming too big. Kind of what I was talking about with that, that kid that had all these aspirations but had no clue on how to even get started. And she said, you know, people focus so much on crushing these giant goals and they don't just start doing something. And so, you know, she was using the example of someone that wants to be this fashion blogger, but they they got artist block and writer's block and they don't know how to blah, blah, blah. She goes, you're so focused on being this successful fashion blogger, and you don't even know if you like it yet because you haven't even started. So why don't you start it? It's kind of like when I started this podcast. The goal was to do a podcast. The goal shouldn't be, I want a successful podcast. That should be the goal maybe now, after I've done a few episodes, but you can't have the goal to be successful at something you've never even done before. The goal should be to do it. So focus on the little things and then build on those. <clears throat> um, and then some of the other people that I listen to James Mattis, our Secretary of Defense, and uh, Lewis Puller, Chesty Puller. Uh, those are both Marines and I'm in the Army, but uh, read some of their books or some of the, you know, like uh, there's an autobiography on Lewis Puller, Chesty Puller. Um, and General Mattis, you can hear him talk all the time. And you just see that those people, why it's good to listen to them is because their philosophy is pressure tested. They do as they say, and literally their life depends on it. And, and the the people that they command, their lives depend on it too. And so I will listen to strong military leaders almost above other people's because if, there's not too many things in the world that you can really find out with dire consequences if your beliefs and philosophies and training methods and hard work really pays off Um, so those are just some of the people uh, by all accounts of course that's not a comprehensive list those are just some of the people i would say every single week i listen to two or three of those people and i'll watch some things and and it kind of you know goes okay it sparks something in me to to just think about something differently. It's not even about doing something differently. It's, a, it's about how you think about a problem. It's about, uh, that, and the big thing that the, the one factor that all these people share is accountability. And Jocko doesn't like to say accountability. He hates that word, but it's, he calls it ownership, right? Is you just own your life. And so if someone criticizes you because it's there's a certain truth to what they're criticizing. You gotta take that and say, Yeah, that's right. How can I fix that? How can I make today better than yesterday? How can I move forward? Okay. And if you get to that point of that that ownership, then also when that criticism is undue and you know it's just a hater, it's just someone just shitting on you, you can recognize that 100 percent of the time because you don't have such a fragile ego that you can't take some criticism and and you just let it roll off your shoulders. You know, Mike Rowe is probably one of the best. Just watch him talk. People criticize him and try to say he's this or he's that. He doesn't get political or any of that other stuff. And he just, his his responses to criticisms are are pretty epic in my opinion. Okay, he doesn't get emotional about it. Um, he's very pragmatic. And that's a dude that, you should really listen to because you know He's done over 500 different jobs For his TV show So he's really experienced so much And he didn't learn it in a school He didn't learn it You know, reading a book He, he learned it by doing it And those are the most important Influencers to me In my life Are people that actually do something And not people that just talk about it Never be afraid To have an opinion but before you go out on a limb to have that opinion, pressure test it in the world and actually do something that helps formulate that opinion. The problem is when you try to form the opinion before you formulate the actual practice of something and you haven't really tested to see if it works because you know you might find it to be a little bit different than I have found it to be. And so you want to speak from truth and truth and honesty isn't always positive. And so I think it's important that all of us, and if you're listening to this, that we put truth out there in the world. And even if it's hard for people to hear, we have to do it. There's times and there's places for harsh criticism. And I come from a military background where we don't give a shit about your fucking feelings. But even in today's military, that's starting to change. Because the civilians run the military. And when you can't even criticize somebody and hurt their feelings in the military, then I know the rest of society is doomed. Criticism is extremely important. Shame is extremely important. Having that feeling in your gut that you failed is extremely important because the next day you have an opportunity to grow, to do something better. And then when you get in a position of success and not failing and you're winning and you're crushing your goals and your dreams, then you can tell people why it's important to learn from those failures because you experienced it and all those things that you could only learn when you're sitting in a stew of shit going, this sucks, how can I fix this? Just like that girl that wants people to contribute (laughs) to her GoFundMe page for a camera. If she, if it's really her lifelong passion to be a photographer, then every day that she doesn't have that camera is going to be agonizing. And every day somebody doesn't make it easy for her to get that camera, it's going to make her work that much harder to figure out a way. And if no one will contribute, then she will have to contribute. But chances are she's going to find an easy way to get that camera and she's, It's going to degrade her potential every single time that happens. And then she's going to get to be my age and wondering why she's never really achieved happiness and fulfillment. Because you have to be fulfilled before you could be happy. But people are chasing the quick fix of, oh, I got a camera. And that's not happiness. Happiness is learning how to be a photographer and having a body of work over maybe decades that you can show people and be proud of, you're fulfilled, and that's where happiness comes from. But instead we think if somebody leaves me a five-star review on my iTunes, that's happiness. No, it's not. They are setting you up to live a subpar or submediocre life because people aren't telling you the truth. And why I say that and I and why I I I mentioned that is because I've heard this from a couple people and a couple different podcasters where they think the key to the castle is iTunes and they will beg, borrow, and steal to try to get uh, five-star reviews. Ever since I started podcasting, I get DMs from people saying, you leave me a five-star review, I'll leave you a five-star review. I've left five-star reviews for a couple different podcasters. It's because I truly believed it. But if I didn't, I just don't leave a review. Why? It's because they can't take the criticism. It's because I have no faith in humanity. I think the world is full of pussies. And you can't even say something without somebody getting butt hurt now. And I'm not talking about spreading negativity and being a troll on on Instagram or uh, or uh, Twitter or something like that. There's people that that's all they do, right? It's just, it's just try to get under people's skin. But I'm talking about giving some constructive feedback. People give it to me all the time and I don't ask for it, but I always listen to it. And I can always tell usually within the first couple sentences if it's valid or not by how much emotion they're putting into it, right? But don't beg, borrow, and steal to get pats on the back. You shouldn't want, you know, what's better to have to convince somebody to write you a reference letter for a job or for somebody saying, hey, I will write you a reference letter because I think you are the best person for the job and this reference letter is gonna be easy. I once um, needed a reference letter and so I went to my first sergeant and my commander and wanted to know if they would write me a reference letter and they thought so highly of me and the job that I was applying for that they talked to the, a, a one-star general that I deployed with, knowing that their reference letter would hold more weight and say, hey, Johnny needs a, a reference letter. This is the job he's going for. Can you please write it? And I had like three people I didn't even ask wrote me a just a glowing letter of reference for me and my care, I didn't tell them what to write. And it was truly from the heart. And so that was, so I ended up getting that job obviously is because there's a certain truth that resonated through those letters that could only be um, disseminated uh, correctly if that person actually knew me and actually experienced some of my attributes. And this person experienced them in, in a combat zone with me. So um, it really touched my heart when they did that because I knew it was truth. Because I also know when, when you ask people, hey man, can you just, hey, I started a restaurant, can you uh, give me a good Yelp review? Can you give me, man, I've done that too. When I was uh, an artist, I would convince all my friends and family to come to conventions when I had a new book out, make sure you order it off Amazon, make sure you order it off this website or whatever, just so it looks like my numbers are, man, that's the worst thing that someone can do for you is because it inflates the numbers and you really don't know. I remember the first day at this comic convention, I sold like 50 copies and this, you know, I was a small nobody, but like 30 of them were people I knew. And I had people that I knew like buying two or three copies. And so I'm thinking, holy shit, I sold 50 with no advertising on the first day. Well, if you took out the actual numbers of people that I knew, I only sold probably five or six copies. And I needed to know that five or six copies is what I actually sold. So maybe I need to market different. Maybe I need to take some criticism. Maybe I need to figure out what worked, what didn't work. And instead I go, hey, this is a victory. I don't need to change anything. So back to my entry into this podcast of the kids that I talk to that just have delusions of grandeur. These, are, these things are all connected. We are failing each other as a society and we're not holding ourselves to a standard so no one else feels compelled to hold us to a standard that we can't even hold ourselves to. Don't do this to the people around you. When I mock interview those kids, I give them harsh criticism. And you see, some of them take it, some of them don't. You know, I told this one girl. Uh, she, I asked her something that was on her resume, and she goes, "Well, I put that on my resume." And I, because I said, "Well, what's one of the 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 best achievements that you've ever uh, one of the your proudest achievements?" Well, if you read my resume, you w- you would have seen what that is. And I go, "Don't ever say that to an employer," because that's pompous and arrogant. No one is ever going to hire you. And she just kind of looked at me weird. You know, she was one of these that came from a, a family that told her she can do whatever the fuck she wants with her life. And they got money. And, that, and so she just sees that that is the norm. If someone having a big ranch, having a big, uh, nice cars, nice house, everything, everything's easy. So she just, of course she thinks everything else is going to be easy. That, a job interview is just going through the motions. Instead of what I see a job interview as, is a fucking battle. Is that I'm going into a fight. And before you go into a fight, you have to be prepared, and you have to rehearse, and you have to drill, and you have to, um, you know, prepare everything from making sure you have a good haircut, make sure you have the your clothes are pressed and neat and clean and making sure that you rehearse what your answers could be or might be, making sure that you are 10 minutes early and making sure that you, every single thing, every single scenario that they could uh, present to you in that interview, you're prepared for. And that's what a winner is, is someone that that is making preparations for victory, not reacting and hoping and thinking and not being prepared. So that's my two cents on some of these issues. I would love to know what you guys run into on a daily basis. And I know I have listeners in other countries. I would like to know what maybe they run into in in other countries. But I, I see in some of the hardest working, traditionally hardest working communities in this country, it's degraded. So how much is it degraded in the non-hardworking communities? I mean, I live in a farming, ranching community really for the last 15 years. And you see people with a lack of work ethic. Even these kids that are hardworking country kids, they're not near as working as they used to be. And they're very, they, they don't understand how to take criticism. They don't understand how to make plans. And they don't know how to actually start on their journey to achieving these giant goals of just focus on just starting and everything else will work out. But you got to start first because it'll never happen for you if you don't just start. And so, you know, those podcasters that I've complained about or whatever, at least they started. They're they're at least through step one, and so, you know that that's that's the big thing is I, like I said I'm not coming from a standpoint of on this expert podcast or whatever I get criticized all the time. This is it is what it is, right? I don't I don't think that I know better than them, but it's not negative just because somebody doesn't like what you're putting out there. They're doing you a favor, and the worst thing that you can do is brag about having 45 star reviews because that there's absolutely no way that that's truth. You know it and I know it. It's just, are you gonna get to the point where you allow your ego to know it? So as always, thank you for tuning in. Uh, You could check out my website, afootpodcast.com, afootpodcast at Twitter. Artist Reboot is my YouTube channel. haven't done one of those in a long time, but I will. So please support it. And uh, Instagram, Artist Reboot, for if you want to see some of the art stuff that I've epically failed at, that I'm trying to restart and try to get reinvigorated with just for fun. Um, I know it sounds like a cop-out that I keep saying, well, I just do this stuff for fun. I'm not really putting any effort in. I think it's important to disseminate the difference between somebody that that is just doing something because they enjoy doing it, and something else in their life that they're literally trying to crush, something that they're really trying to achieve. Um, there's certain things in life that I take extremely serious. You know, my military career is one of them, and uh, there's certain certain things that I make sure that they're extremely intentional, and I try to be successful at every single turn. But when it comes to my hobbies, it's where I just let loose and just just have some fun with it. Doesn't mean that I'm not trying to make it the best that it is. Don't get that twisted. Um, but I don't give a shit if if uh, this is on iTunes number one or whatever. It's I do this for me, and hopefully somebody gets something out of it. And if it turns into something, then maybe I could change my focus to try to make it big. Trust me, you you would know it if I was really putting a you know trying to make this into like some kind of career or, or something like that. Um, it's not a cop out, you know, of, of saying that because yeah, you just, sometimes you gotta, you gotta put things in the right compartment. You know, if you are, um, let's say playing softball on your company softball team, you know, um, you'll take criticism about your swing a little bit differently than you're, if you're trying to make it to the majors (laughs) that's all I'm saying. And so that's basically what this is. I don't play softball anymore. Uh, I do podcasting. So this is something I do for fun. And of course I want to be the best softball player, quote unquote, that I can be, um, within those limits of still keeping it as a hobby. So, uh, feel free to support the channel or the podcast if you, so please, if you enjoy it, but by no means, Never patronize me by giving me a review that you don't fucking mean because I don't need it, my fucking ego doesn't need it, and you're just wasting your time. So thank you for the support. Until next time, be kind to one another, but be truthful first. Later.